0: It's the Geeky Waffle Podcast. Bea, I'm so, so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Hi, Arazu. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad that we're finally like talking after all these years of knowing each other and seeing each other on Twitter. I'm so glad that we are finally having like an actual spoken conversation. <laughs>
0: me too. This one feels
1: like it was a long time coming. I
0: know. All right, we are going to kick this off with the broadest question I have, All right. <laughs> about your journey as a writer. However,
1: you want to interpret that. Well, um, so writing was always my hobby. Like it was the one thing that I never stopped doing ever since I was in grade school. I was, I was probably in first grade when I started writing my stories, and then. I had a poetry phase, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm much better at prose than I am at poetry. So, yeah, um, I, I, I basically wrote every day for, for like a really long time. But I never allowed myself to think of it as a viable career. Like it was not an option. You know, like growing up in an Asian family in Asia. Yeah, yeah, and what to make matters worse, um both my parents are doctors and all my aunts and uncles are either doctors or lawyers. Mm-hmm. And my, my grandparents were lawyers. So like it just <laughs> yeah, um I I just never allowed myself to believe that it was an option, that to you know to go into the arts was an option. I never let myself think that. But uh I kept writing on the side uh original stories at first and then I discovered fanfiction. And so that was my life for the past decade, I think. I when I started working, like when I started working in an office, I would write fanfic during my lunch breaks. It was it was obviously Raylo fanfic, the thing yes. that brought us together. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I really had, I cannot stress enough how I really had another career path in mind. But then uh, the pandemic happened and lockdown happened. I think the Philippines had the world's longest lockdown or one of the world's longest. And so it was several months of me just sitting at home. And I had a lot of time to think. I had a lot of time to have an existential crisis, like, (laughs) am I really happy with where my life is going? Is this what I really want to do? And then it just so happened that uh, someone, an editor reached out and asked me if I had ever thought about working on an original novel. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I have nothing on the agenda for the next several months because we're all stuck here at home. So yeah, let's give it a try. And ever since then, uh, I haven't, I haven't looked back. I think my parents are I think my parents went through the five stages of grief. When, <laughs> <laughs> when I when I finally told them my plans. Um because before this I was supposed to like I was supposed to go on to like a diplomatic career. I was supposed to take the foreign service exam, things like that. Which is not, which is still not like being a doctor or a lawyer, but it was acceptable. So I think like I think second my, tier. <laughs> I think my family went through like the five stages of grief, but um, I think that they're slowly starting to come around to the fact that I'm not going to be. I think they're coming around to the fact that I am going to be like the first artist <laughs> in, in the family. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um they said they they're excited to read my book and I'm like okay. okay and and I guess all's well that ends well I definitely know that I am happier now than I was when I compared to when I was um like just going through the motions of something that I think I was good at but it it wasn't where my heart was so yeah alls well that ends well <laughs> I suppose.
0: You saying you had a poetry phase makes a lot of sense because when everybody listening to this gets to read The Hurricane Wars and if they've, you know, read your other writing, then they are familiar with how like poetic your prose can get sometimes. So hearing you had like a poetry phase, I'm like, ah, yes.
1: That's why your brain works that way. Okay, one of these days I will share my grade school poetry with the world, (laughs) but I'm not I'm not ready. (laughs) But I do think that um I do think that poetry helped me a lot in finding my my voice when it comes to mm-hmm. prose because yeah um I read it was a new format for me like um I I forgot the term but you know like the non-traditional poems the ones that don't rhyme free verse the one, yeah free verse the ones that don't have like a set meter or a set pattern or something I think that was I think discovering that was what really um opened my eyes to the many ways that language could be played with and in the many, the many ways that it could convey emotion, even in like a non-traditional pattern. So yeah, I think, I think, our, I think my poetry phase really, uh really helped improve my writing skills.
0: So you mentioned we became friends because of Raylo, um, the greatest, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh you know, enemies to lovers is not a one-time thing. It is a oh, yeah. lifestyle. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to know what was your gateway, Enemies to Lovers?
1: Well, uh, so my gateway to Enemies to Lovers is it, sort of connected to how I discovered fan fiction in general. My <laughs> my friend and okay, and we were in sophomore year of high school. My friend, my classmate brought along like this folder with something printed inside. And I was like, what is this? I said, Oh, this is called fan fiction. <laughs> so so, I read it. I was like, okay, so it's like, it's, it's two characters who don't have a relationship in canon, like in the actual media. But in fan fiction, you can make them do this and do that. You can make them do whatever you want. And then she was like, yes, that's fan fiction. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. And then so it was, it was, it was a Draco Ginny fanfic. Okay. Yeah, but um I I guess it opened the avenue for me to start exploring more ships in the Harry Potter fandom and so eventually I stumbled upon Draco Hermione and mm-hmm. that was pretty much where I stayed. Although like, well, you know, it's Harry Potter isn't what it used to be anymore. <laughs> so yeah, um so after after Draco Hermione, I I guess I moved on to like uh zuko katara that was yes. yes i think that was like my all-consuming passion for several years and then after zuko katara i had this uh i don't know if you're familiar with the 100 vaguely oh yeah okay well i had this belark face so shout out to any belark Bil- uh, i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was so good and then after Belarque, I I fell into, yeah, I fell into Reylo because I watched The Force Awakens. And then, yeah, I, I've never looked back since. I think um when I, after I watched The Force Awakens, that was when I started posting my fan on Tumblr and then AO3. So, yeah, that was, that was really what got me firmly entrenched in like a sort of fandom community. And have looked back then, because <laughs> yeah, what a community yeah. it is. <laughs> exactly. It's been so life-changing.
0: Okay, let's talk Hurricane Wars. Yeah. First of all, let's talk about our feral duo. I'm, I've am i only ever seen their names reading it, so mm-hmm. I don't know where to put the stress. Kalesin? Ta- well, My brain's trying I- to I- convert it to Persian. <laughs> I'm like, I probably shouldn't <laughs> do that. <laughs>
1: I think Persian and Filipino have the same stresses. I I mean I just say Talison.
0: Okay, so that's what I'm probably- Talison and Alaric.
1: Yeah, so, Alaric.
0: Yeah, love them so so much. So what is it you think about these two that is going to resonate so well? Like, what is it about this duo?
1: Well, I think that um, they're both. I think that readers might gravitate to the fact that they're both well even though they're on opposite sides with all the with all the conflict and the tension that that entails. I think that well I hope that readers will sort of resonate with the fact that they're both just like two really really lonely people. They've never they've never really had anyone who was purely in their corner and not just for the sake of winning a war or attend- or achieving some kind of end end goal, I think that they- that deep down they both just want to be accepted for who they are, and they just want someone to understand them. So, I think the whole the whole hurricane war strategy is sort of moving them towards that, but of course they have a lot of obstacles to overcome along the way first the the greatest of all being that they hate each other so (laughs) (laughs) yeah they hate each other and they want to kill each other at first so after they get over that yeah that's when um that's when like er, that's when they start like gradually inching together in the sense that they're like oh oh wow this person like understands me this person like this person can sometimes make me smile, and that's very rare. It's it's things like it's like little things like that. Um, it was really important for me to be able to craft like an organic mm-hmm. an organic softening towards each other. And like they just had they just had to get there. They, they couldn't get there really fast because Of their opposite, of their nation's history, of the, because of the war that they were fighting. Like they had to, they had to just very slowly inch towards that kind of understanding. And yeah, I think that was part of the, that was part of the reason that the, that the first book was so challenging for me to write, because it was the process (laughs) of getting there and making sure I, I hit every beat, every nuance in their interactions. But, Hopefully I've done a good job and I hope that readers will enjoy the journey.
0: So talking about this kind of like hitting the beats, you have like their personal push-pull and you have like the like the magic system and the politics and then there's the war going on in the background. So can you talk about like I guess your process to striking a balance between all of these elements?
1: Um, well, so what I did was so it was a matter of balancing the world building, the plot, and the character interactions. I can honestly say that the first draft was like it was just purely character interactions. You know, like that was the main focus. It was no thoughts, just vibes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just, I just wrote down like all the, all the, all the um scenes that I wanted to put the scenes between Alaric and Taliesin, and then it was after it was my editors who who put in their notes like oh the this world be this world building needs to be um improved and things like that so i think like so in my first in the first round i i made i focused on the character interactions the second round was the world building and then in the third round my editors were like uh we need to raise the stakes there needs to be like um there needs to be a more there needs to be more critical motivations, critical goals. And I was like, okay. And so that was where tightening up the plot came in. Okay. And then the next round was just refining the character interactions, adding more steamy moments, <laughs> ramping up the tension. Yeah. So um what I've learned is that like I don't know how it works for other writers, but for me, like, Creating a completed draft, it has to happen in stages for me. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't create something perfect or something completely satisfying in one go around. Like I need to go back and I need to edit and stuff. I think it was easier when I was writing fanfic because, uh, like, it's more low stakes in a way because you know that people that there will be an audience for it because people already know and love the characters. But for original fiction, you have to make sure that that people will be invested in your new characters and your new world. So yeah, it was a lot of pressure. <laughs>
0: I'm going to say for a fanfic too, like you don't have to build the world from the ground up, but in this case, because this is fantasy yeah, you very much did have to construct the whole world as well. So I wonder if you can talk yeah. a bit about kind of building now that this, this entire world and this magic system sort of from, from scratch.
1: Well, it started out. So, um, when I started out with conceptualizing this world it was actually it was very generic like it was um generic western fantasy like it yeah. yeah like the names were the names were like old english names stuff like that because i don't know like it just it just never occurred to me that i could infuse my own culture into it i think because you know like i'm a huge fantasy fan like I grew up reading like um Lord of the Rings uh Ursula K. Le and stuff like that and Chronicles of Narnia and all that so that was the main source of media that I was inundated with growing up and I just I guess it never just occurred to me that I could pattern a fantasy book after my own culture <laughs> like I didn't think I was allowed to and so um the world of that very first draft of the early stages of the hurricane wars. It was very uninspired. Like I was not invested in it at all. I think I just, I think I even um, went around telling people that um, I don't really care about the world. It's the characters I'm invested in, but like, obviously that was not working out in the long run. Like you have to care about everything in your book. If you really want to do your best in writing it. Mm -hmm. So it was my agent, actually, Thao Le, she's Vietnamese American. So she was the one who suggested, hey, why don't you make it? Why don't you make the world like based in Southeast Asia? And I was like, oh, I I didn't know I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know I was allowed. And so, yeah, so from there, it sort of that was when for me, that was when the writing process really took off because. Now I was interested in the world and not just the two characters. Now I was writing what I knew, writing what I loved, and I was infusing into the story the aspects of my culture that I'm very proud of. And that I think like deserved to be on a greater stage. And it was also in it was also in in using my culture that I was able to develop like a better magic system.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: in the sense that I was able to formulate the rules of the magic system because um there's so uh, so a thing here with us is that here in the Philippines, uh, we are mostly an agricultural economy, or well, a large part of our economy is based in agriculture mm-hmm. and and so our fates and our fortunes are intrinsically tied to how well the land does, right. Yeah, so uh that was an important theme to me in the world of the Hurricane War like how the land can be a source of magic, but at the same time it can also be like you have to take care of it, because if you don't, then yeah, then the then it'll be then like the fields will dry up, the like the re- resources will be wasted mm-hmm. and things like that. So yeah and it's also about uh learning so in in the hurricane wars magic is like the way to utilize magic it's treated as a finite resource and it's what it's part of what caused the war because one side was running out of that resource and so yeah so they 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 tried to invade the other side to get their hands on more resources so I think like that was really like one of the fundamental things. Um, I was tying into it how my how my how my people's lives are affected by our relationship with the land.
0: Okay, I like, yeah, I had not considered that till you said it, but like thinking back now, like with like the drain on the
1: power and how they get yeah. it and how they recharge and like yeah, without clicking. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, I think that was uh, when I put the storms, when I also put the storm magic into it, that was also a very um, that was a very like heavy reference to uh, the to Philippine culture in general, uh, Philippine culture and Southeast Asian culture in general, because uh, we are in the Pacific Ring of Fire. So we get like a lot of natural calamities like we got so many typhoons passing through here every year I think last month last month we had like three typhoons in succession like they all just yeah they all just came raging through here and so um it got me so that that it's that kind of experience that gets me thinking about how weapon can be a tool of like destruction like it can be a tool of oppression if it's harnessed by, you know, by not so good people. And that was where the idea for the stormships was born. I love that.
0: So I know writing, editing, publishing is a very long process, but we're gonna cast our minds back to <laughs> when you were writing. Um I wanna know if there was in as spoiler-free a way as you can, um what scene or moment or concept was the hardest for you to bring to life?
1: Hmm. Well, I think it was all hard. It was my first debut. Do- it was my first novel. So, <laughs> <I> was- <laughs> so there were a lot of days where I was just like, oh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but I think, I, I don't know. I think that in a way, the thing that I was most excited about to write and the thing that I also had a hard time writing they were kind of the same thing like i think it was really the latter half of alaric and intelligence relationship in book one that um that really stalled me for a while because i just i just wanted it to be like a perfect combustion of everything of every interaction that had that had been there before, like of what every interaction throughout the book had been leading up to, so I just wanted to make that as perfect as I could. Like it couldn't be, like when they finally, well, you've read the book, you know what I mean. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they finally get to um, let's say the next stage in their relationship, like I knew that it couldn't be sweet because, mm-hmm. like, it couldn't be overly sweet because. That's not who they are. That's not what their relationship is, but at the same time, it also couldn't be so rough that it, <laughs> that it closed the door. it closed the door towards um anything more towards anything deeper. So, yeah, I I think I spent I think I spent like two weeks on that chapter alone. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I was also a bit, well, okay, so, I mean, there was bias. so. Yes. Yeah, I was very, so I think, like, halfway through writing the bias, I was just hit by this realization that, oh, my God, my family is going to read this. <laughs> <laughs> did, that trip, did that trip you up, too? Going, oh, no. Well, I guess. In the, I mean, I was just like, oh, no, my traditional Asian family is going to read this but I don't know I, I guess we'll cross that bridge where it comes like well I hope they don't bring it up knowing <laughs> them they probably won't bring it up <laughs> but you'll know and they'll know and you'll um, know they yeah, don't. yeah 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 it'll, it'll be like it'll be like the ghost hanging over us at family reunions <laughs> oh no your kinks <laughs> <laughs> so in that moment I guess
0: is there a moment that you are most excited for readers to see? Because I know this is like asking you to pick like your favorite child,
1: but oh yeah, it's it's definitely that that chapter that we were talking about. Like, okay, I can't wait for readers to get there, and I hope it's a like, I hope it's like a a satisfying payoff. For um, I've been I've actually been getting a lot of um, messages and comments from the arc readers and their other uh, running theme is like oh my god this slow burn is killing me <laughs> so yeah so i hope that um i hope that the slow burn was like i hope it wasn't too frustrating because of that chapter so i hope yeah fingers there's crossed little, there's little payoffs
0: before you get there like the <laughs> the scene in the garden with the oh, fountain that- where he like picks her up i'm like <laughs> Hell, and all he's done is like move her from point A to point B and
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm like, help me. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I also really like, so I also, I also really like that, writing that scene. I kind of forgot about it when you asked me because there's a lot of things about there's this a one. Lot in this
0: book, different. to
1: be fair. <laughs> I feel like I actually feel like it hasn't been published yet, but I feel like it was a lifetime ago. Like when I, when I started writing book two, like right now I'm working on book two. I've, I've been having to go back to my copy of book one and refreshing <laughs> my- <laughs> whatever I wanted to like reference certain scenes in book one I don't know I think there's just so much going around in my head that um when when I was still writing fanfic it, I could recall what I was writing like right I didn't have to I didn't have to go back to earlier chapters but I think yeah with with An original novel, it's different because you're juggling so, so much, not just, not just the character dynamics, but the world and the plot itself. So
0: I would be remiss if I did not mention your other story that just came out, Dune Two Songs (laughs) of Salt and Moonlight, which is in the Return of the Jedi, from a certain point of view, anthology. Mm -hmm. Um, So we met through Star Wars, so we got to talk about this for a minute. What was it like kind of getting that call?
1: Like I did, I couldn't believe it was happening. Like I did not even think that it was a possibility because my my book hadn't even been out yet. But I yeah, I was so happy to get that call. And then when I afterwards, when I accepted, I immediately rewatched Return of the Jedi, and it it was like I I rewatched Return of the Jedi maybe like once every couple of years. But and and I always came back to it as like a fan, as like someone who really <laughs> loves Star Wars. But uh this time when I was re-watching it, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to write for this. Like I could barely concentrate on what's happening. <laughs> I was watching everything move around. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> this is so this is so surreal. But yeah. Yeah, it was just so great. And well, you know that I reference Wikipedia a lot in my music. Yes yes now then, you're on wikipedia then, oh yeah and that was i don't know for me it was it was a huge moment like it was a full circle moment and the wikipedia account was like the the wikipedia account told me um from referencing wikipedia to being a source on wikipedia and i just had this like fangirl moment, <laughs> and, like i was running around my room i was like what is happening how is this my life so yeah it was it was pretty great, and I loved I loved working with my uh, Star Wars editors. I think that all their inputs really helped make the story stronger.
0: Did you know from the outset, kind of when you were watching it, that you wanted to write in that first chunk in like the the Java Palace chunk, or did that um, kind of come to you later in the process?
1: No, not really, because uh, what we were asked to do, like we what we were asked to do was just pick a character. And they would be the ones to arrange it in the anthology. Okay. So yeah. So uh, I actually before watching, before re-watching, I was actually thinking of like writing about the ewoks or something. <laughs> 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 and then I realized um maybe a lot of people are going to write about the ewoks. I should try to approach, I should try to see if there's another angle that I want to approach this from. And I saw I saw one of the dancers at Japan palettes i had not really noticed her before but because this time i was looking out for every detail for possible characters that i could use and then i saw her and she seemed cool like she had the blue streak in her hair and her hair was really um yeah her hair was like platinum blonde and overall she just looked really fierce and i was like okay yeah i'll write about her (laughs) (laughs) yeah that, that was my thought process i'm very shallow
0: I mean listen she she caught your eye and then it's like what the longest story in the anthology or one of the longest stories in the anthology I know I, no, I, I,
1: imagine, I don't say that is a bad thing <laughs> No I'm actually surprised I'm actually surprised that they let me do that because like when you think of a short story you think like somewhere in the vein of like less than maybe around 5000 words maybe like maybe that amount and then so when I was writing, I just kept writing and writing. Like, more scenes kept, kept coming to me. And then, I don't know, like, when I sent it off to the editor, I was like, oh, you guys will probably want to trim this. It's long. But they didn't. So, okay. Do you remember yeah. how many words it was? Uh, I'm trying. I think it was definitely above 10,000 words. Damn. Yeah. Look, and then
0: I'm, I re- I'm not complaining.
1: <laughs> I remember that my first, that, that, um, the first draft was around 10,000 words. And then I had to add a scene at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. So it, yeah, it was definitely around that time. It was a scene that the editor suggested. So I guess they didn't mind the word all that much. All right. So as
0: we wrap things up, you already mentioned you're working on book two. But what is what is coming up for you?
1: Just, uh, well, yeah. there's there's Pub Day of the Hurricane Wars in the US, which is October 3rd, and it will be released in the UK on October 12th. And uh, in November, I will be attending my first ever literary convention in London. Uh, YALC the young adult literary convention I'll be ha- I'll be having a panel there with uh some other authors and it will be an enemies to lovers panel so <laughs> it's a very it's a very it's another very full circle moment and um uh yeah it's also there's also it's also going to be like a little uh tour I will have book signings in Glasgow yeah Cardiff and uh liverpool aside from the london stop so i'm so it will be my first time in the uk so i'm looking forward to that
0: i'm sure you know if you if you're listening to this episode if you found this episode you know where to find thea but where can people find you online
1: oh yeah um so my website is theaguanzan.com it has all all the necessary information it has the links to all my socials but also um on twitter or rather x and on tiktok and on yeah, on Twitter, TikTok, and Blue Sky, I am Thea G. Writes. And then on Facebook, I have slash Words by Moonrise. And then I also have a I also have an authorly Tumblr. It's teaguanzon.tumblr.com.
0: Thank you so, so much. This was
1: think, so mm-hmm. much fun. I'm so excited for everybody to finally read <laughs> the book. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I'm so happy that you enjoyed uh, the Hurricane Wars and Dune Sea Songs of Salt and Moonlight.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to keep up with us, you can find us on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We're the geeky waffle on YouTube. We're at com, And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash the geeky waffle. So, Thank you all again for listening. Thank you, Thea, and stay geeky.